Welcome to another fun and exciting episode of The Rogues in the House, a podcast dedicated to the love of all things sword and sorcery, delivered with 100% enthusiasm from a bunch of self-proclaimed experts. So sit back and let us tell you of the days of high adventure. Welcome, Rogues. Matt, how you been? I, uh, pretty good, you know. Um, it seems like illness is everywhere and somehow I'm dodging bullets. So let's see if I can keep going. Um, Good for you. I'm a little under the weather myself as we were speaking off mic. It's because I don't dedicate enough time to the actual activity of sleeping. Oh, dude, listen, that might be my secret. I sleep a lot. <laughs> I usually get in bed like 830. I read a book. I'm passed out by 930. Wake up fresh as a daisy, boys. Fresh as a daisy. Matt, my friend, there are 24 hours in the day, and apparently I've been told you spend a third of your life in bed. I plan on cutting that down to like an eighth. Uh, I also have, I also deal with children all day long, and I, do I get tired. I do too, and they're called college students. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, we, we could talk about the uh, differences between yeah. college students and middle school students. And uh, My guess is tales. yours are better behaved. Uh, <laughs> well, anyways, uh, this is not the uh, no the teacher's podcast, so we'll uh, we'll move on. So we got some special guests today. Um, we have two characters that Dean and I actually both met when we were at Gen Con um, this past summer. It's the reunion actually, show. Yeah, it is kind of a reunion show. You have uh, these two gentlemen have actually been on the show when we recorded live from Gen Con. We have today. Uh, I would say we're representing Bane Books here. We've got Steve Diamond and Sean Korsgaard. Uh, wait, sorry, Sean C.W. Korsgaard. It sounds far more official that way. Uh, how you doing? How you doing, Steve? Oh, doing good. Doing good. Glad to be back with you guys. I feel like uh, feel like it's been way, way too long since we've all talked. Yeah, well, it is yeah. good to see you again. Um, uh, glad to have you back on the show. I'm very excited that you're on because, uh, and we'll get into this later. I'm a big fan of yours right now. Oh, well, thank you. Thank you. I appreciate that. I appreciate that. He's usually nerding out over me because I, I <laughs> create the uh, the board games that he yeah, enjoys. Uh, right. Exactly. <laughs> so, Steve, you can take you can take it for a bit now. Oh, and uh, <laughs> Mr. Korsgaard, what's up? It's an earnest and honest pleasure to be back in the house with you rogues. Well, thank oh. you. Thank you. Thank you. Yes, thanks for thanks for joining. Uh, I like uh, Sean's voice stands out from just about anyone else I've ever talked to. So <laughs> it's I, I mean that, that in as high praise as someone with a face for radio. <laughs> yeah, 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 <laughs> yeah. But you've got you've most definitely got the voice for it. I mean, it's uh, it's distinct, and this is this is good when the medium is uh, voices, right? Always so, and. One of the few ways that I get to actually put that journalism degree to use. <laughs> yeah. Uh, well, that would be another topic. I, I have that, that journalism's always fascinated me, but uh, we'll, we'll save that for the journalism podcast that we'll, we'll start up soon. Uh, <laughs> no, thank <laughs> you. <laughs> it's better than the uh, spoof episode we did for like five minutes about stationary. It was about like the the top uh, <laughs> markers and whiteboards. Uh, I, that was during our early time. I don't know what the hell we were doing. Uh, okay, so so yeah, we're going to talk kind of about what um, 
what Bane is bringing to the table in terms of sword and sorcery. We're going to talk about Steve's book, which is probably not exactly sword and sorcery, but it is, uh, it's adjacent. And I think it's our listeners really will... fracking cool is what it is. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and it's also, sorry, co-written just, just for the record, Larry Correa. Larry Correa. Yep. Just like, like the country, Korea, Portuguese. <laughs> it's Portuguese. So, <laughs> yeah. Yep. Poor, poor Larry's not here to, uh, to no, uh, defend himself. He just, he had surgery yesterday. And so mm-hmm. uh, he had, he had his nose fixed. And so, yeah. I mean, I guess he could have come on, but he'd have had like, like the giant bandage and, and all the stuff like, you know, all over his nose. It would probably sound like this for a good. Portion. Oh man. Okay. I mean, without it, it getting into, without getting into it, did he get in a fight and break it or something or what? That would oh, be really he, sword and sorcery. He's, he's <laughs> already full story. Yes. Yeah, he's he's broken his nose like four times. Um, some of them were from fights. Some of them were just from falling down. <laughs> so uh, drunk or not drunk, you know, but, uh, <laughs> no. From uh, in a he, he used to work on a farm when he was growing up. Oh wow! So he would like he would like slip on stuff and then just bat just just fall straight on his face. So he's broke his nose a ton, um, and he decided that it'd be really cool if he could do that breathing thing. So, yeah, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah, exactly. I hear it's cool. It's it's important. It's an important yeah. part of life. But yeah, uh, so he can't so he can't be here with us today. He wanted to, but he he couldn't. So we'll get him on the next one. Yeah, right. exactly. And uh we do plan um to bring in sort of the Bain stable of authors uh again in the near future, perhaps with other announcements and things that are Ooh. upcoming. So uh, you know, this sword and sorcery platform is uh here for for anyone who wants to use it so yep gentlemen let's uh and let's take use a... it we shall yes absolutely but before we uh speaking of uh using things and getting things and enjoying ourselves let's take a trip to the bazaar of the bazaar laser effects sound effects <laughs> mist <laughs> so uh we're we're uh in this liberian uh area uh there are <laughs> liberian is that how we say that is that a thing i, I don't a, know <laughs> it is a country in western africa that's what i thought too yeah, yeah. okay <laughs> oh, yeah, that's, <laughs> <right>. <laughs> that's i was like where are you going with this <laughs> all right all right how about this let's just have a little spritz of fritz huh okay Yes. Okay. All right. All right. God damn it. Stop trying to be clever, Matt. So uh, during this session, we talk about things that we are currently digging. Um, Dean, you got one in mind. You want to go first there? Uh, yeah, I can go first. Um, I really don't have anything. I mean, I did pick up recently that's not really sword and sorcery, but it is very cool. There is a show out on Netflix, I believe it is. It's called 1899. Oh, yeah, I hear that. Oh, man, is that a mind bender? It is really good. And for some reason, it kind of reminds me of the uh, German show Dark. It's very much same same people. Is it really? Yeah. 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 Okay, I did not know that. Thank you for uh, uh, verifying that because it reminds me so much of that. Um, It's about a steamship, not a steamship, but an ocean liner that gets lost. But then another ocean liner where all the main characters on it find it, and then weird stuff just starts to happen, and it's really cool. Um, what, it's what sci-fi. Year, what, 
what year does it take place in? <gasps> Let me guess, 1899? Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> so, so, uh, yeah. yeah. So it's very cool. I really like it. Um, you have to actively watch this. This is not something you can sit down and, you know, be tired to watch or anything like that. Um, but it's really pretty great. Um, we've only gotten through the first three episodes, which I think, well, it's on Netflix, so you can watch it all. But we've only managed to get through the first three, and I'm really loving it. So, but Yeah, I heard I heard good things about that. I've got it on my, on my list. Yeah, and referring back to last episode... We're also watching the English. We're in like episode six. Man, if you have the opportunity to watch that show, that show is amazing. Um, we I were do. talking. It's on. It's on Prime for me. Yes. Mm-hmm. Cool. That's uh, that's the one with Emily Blunt, right? Yes. She and yeah. her husband produced that. Yeah. yeah. See, she always gets a pass for me. So. Yes. I mean, yes. Right. <laughs> so. We and ju- yeah, and uh, yeah. Uh, just to let you know, probably because there won't be another rogue podcast until 2023 i'm going to germany next friday so yes uh heading to germany uh and i'll be there for uh roughly 14 days and coming back uh right before christmas so that's awesome i was there Uh in see i was there in 2006 so it's been a bit for me but man i loved it it was it was so much fun over there yeah this will be my third time back and so we're planning on having a good time again awesome that's awesome so several times as a civilian and a soldier and i will say hit up a christmas market please hit up a christmas market and otherwise just have a wonderful trip yeah sean i plan on hitting up every christmas market that we go to because that's you know that's that's kind of the plan aside from spending time with family and friends who are over there so and have some what say that again and have some strudel. Oh yes, and some glue vine and some donor kebabs and all that good stuff. Mm-hmm. So yeah, yeah. So donor kebab. I want to say that a lot. Donor kebab. <laughs> that's a fun. That's a fun word. Yeah, dude, they're so good. They're so good. They are. They're very good. They're a Turkish uh, invention, yeah. but they're actually the Germans kind of adopted them as their own, and they're very, very tasty. So, well, and oh. and another useless bit of trivia, but. So did so did Mexico for the tacos al pastor. That's where those come from. It's from the same thing. Only really? pork. Only it's with pork. Right. Marinated pork. Yeah. Uh-huh. Interesting. Okay. Yeah. Well, and that's so my. Common, uh, yeah, and it's so common in Germany and Poland that McDonald's serves them. No kidding. <laughs> Donor kebab at McDonald's. We really got the short end of the stick. <laughs> Is it? Is it called the is it called the Mick Kebab or the, the McDonor or the Mick The Mick Kebab? Mick terrible. Kebab. Wow. That's terrible. That Did is you say Mick Kebab or Mick Cobb? Mick Kebab. Okay. Mick Kebab. Okay. Well, I will make sure I avoid those. I always try to go to the city center and have the good ones from the little kiosks and food trucks and that's stuff right. like that. So but anyway, that's that's my uh that's my bizarre pick. So who's up next? Um, maybe we'll get the hosts out of the way and then we can let our guests uh, take over from there. So um, I am doing my sort of like, I play video games so sporadically. Sometimes I will go months and months and I won't touch it. And then uh, there was some Black Friday sales on. I picked up some things on PlayStation Network. I picked up uh, the Evil Dead 
um, asymmetrical Ooh. arena game or whatever. Uh, I haven't gotten deep into it, but it does seem rad. It's very on brand. Um, it's smooth. Uh, it feels good. Um, but then I, I also picked up The Last of Us Part 2, which I had not played. Um, I played the first one. And man, this game sucked me in so quickly. Mm-hmm. Um, just really strong storytelling. I'm only about four hours in um, and sort of a big, uh, I won't even spoil it, but a big event occurred and I was like, oh my God. And, uh, you know, I remember hearing the usual chuds complaining about this game. And I'm like, guys, I don't know how you spit in the eye of this. This thing is, anyways, maybe it turns out like crap, but it's very good. I like my survival horror um the voice acting's exceptional it was a ps4 game that got upgraded for the ps5 and it looks amazing matt um there's a series coming out with that right yeah hbo is uh it's it's on hbo um now no uh january i think pedro pascal uh, is is in it Um, yeah he's he's playing joel right he is playing joel and, uh, I mean, HBO usually brings the good sauce. So, um, I suspect it'll be like the walking dead, but good, you know, mm-hmm. sorry. Ooh, was that bad? Ooh, sorry. <laughs> that, that show really fell off for me pretty quickly. I stopped oh. watching that after season seven when the trash people forgot how to speak English in three years. So <laughs> <laughs> I don't even understand that in that's yeah. Um, real quick, I'm surprised that you didn't say that you're going to like take the entire day off tomorrow and sit and watch Willow over and over and over ad nauseum. <laughs> no, no, no. Uh, the first two episodes drop tomorrow, and then oh be, really? Yeah, then I think it'll be weekly. But you're not like making it a priority. No, no, no. I've got all the time. Like I'm not. I don't even watch movie trailers much anymore. So like. I just, there's so much content. It comes out. I jump in. I enjoy it. And uh, yeah, man, I'm not, I'm not in a huge rush. Like I used okay. to be as a wee lad. All right. Okay. So that's, that's me. I'm, I'm behind the times, but uh, the last of us part two is really, it's, it's working for me. Great. Um, maybe we should just move along on our line here, right over to Mr. Diamond. So, uh, so I pretty much am watching or playing anything that kind of has a similar theme to what I'm writing. So uh, if I, it's kind of dangerous for me. If, if I, if I get sucked into a show or into a game that's of a different genre than what I'm writing, then my brain just starts thinking about that. And that's all I want to do. Oh yeah. Yeah. So, um, you know, so I gotta be really careful about that. So what I'm doing right now is um, I'm, I'm watching and listening to, well, watching, reading, listening to, playing games that are of a science fiction nature and then horror. Uh, so, I mean, the, the easy ones are, you know, like the aliens and, and stuff, alien and aliens and stuff like that, right? Um, my favorites, my favorites. Of course. And, and uh, but, you know, then I'm, I'm, I'm replaying Mass Effect right now, oh, um, yeah. the, the trilogy. Mm-hmm. Um, cause I kind of need, I kind of want some of the space opera vibe in there. Um, but, uh, but then the other thing that I'm doing is, uh, did you guys watch that show midnight mass? Yeah. Yeah. I thought it was pretty strong. 
Yeah, it was really good. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, I, I'm continually watching horror things like that, like Midnight Mass or uh, what was that other one? Archive 81 was was also a pretty good one. Yeah, I heard that very, was decent. Yeah, very Lovecraftian. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, uh, you know, so so I'm doing that because because uh, that's what I'm writing right now. It's mm-hmm. it's basically the, the the book I'm writing right now that I'm hopefully gonna that uh, that I'm gonna pitch to Bain for hopefully they'll buy it is uh, it's basically Gundam meets Alien. So uh, you know, so so I'm I'm looking I'm very much looking forward to this. I'm about fifteen thousand words in it over the past week or a week and a half. Nice. Um, so I'm, I'm cruising on that. And then the other thing I'm doing because I can't help myself is I'm watching a detective show, watching Bosch. Oh yeah. Cause, cause I, I love that show just about more than anything. And, <laughs> and I'm, and I, and I really want to take that idea, kind of the whole Bosch thing, the police procedural and stuff. And, and I've always been interested in bringing that to fantasy and seeing yeah. how that would work. Um, Howard, uh, Howard Andrew Jones, he recommended me a pretty good hard boiled type story from, um, from, uh, Chris Hawking, um, that was in one of the magician school magazines, a few issues, mm-hmm. I think it was two issues ago. Mm-hmm. I think it was in issue eight. He's either in issue seven or eight. Um, and I read that and it kind of had that feel almost that, that like detective-y feel yeah, yeah. within that. And so I'm, I'm, I'm really interested in, I'm, I'm kind of working my way kind of through that in my brain, kind of noodling on it. Rad. Yeah. I mean, uh, it's sort of, it's been bandied around a lot that, um, God in the bowl, the Conan story is pretty detective-y, mm-hmm. uh, a little bit whodunit. And I, I had originally thought that too, like the, the wire is a show I love very much. And, uh, yeah. And like just some of the dynamics with like the, how the underworld works, um, well, the underworld, the crime world, whatever, the underbelly. Yeah. Uh, that would work really kind of well in a fantasy setting. I, I would agree. Steve, uh, have you, or are you familiar with the Jerig series by Stephen Brust? Uh, I've seen the books. I haven't read them though. Uh, my right. Re- it's been a while since I've read them, but my recollection is that is exactly, not exactly, but very close to what you were looking for. It's he's basically a, I wouldn't call him a cop, but he's definitely an agent and he has mm-hmm. an agency and he's got his toughs that work with him and such. But there, it's kind of a sword and sorcery fantasy type of setting. And Stephen Bruss just writes some great stuff. And I haven't read a lot of his stuff in a while, which now makes me think I need to put that at the top of my list of books to reread. So, um, yeah, that's that's yeah, I'm really interested in that. I mean, Howard and I were talking the other day about he he really he read this story that i that i wrote for uh as an intro piece to a role-playing game called for coin and blood um it's a role-playing game by a company called gallant night games uh, one of my buddies the owner of it and he had me write like an intro short story that went in front of the role-playing game and so i, I wrote this story up it's very dark very very dark it's i mean it's grim dark rather than more so than sword and sorcery but um, he had me write that story and Howard read it while we were at Gen Con and he goes, dude, he's like, if you could like pull back a little bit on the grim darkness and mm-hmm. kind of highlight the hero a little bit, 
He's like, dude, that would be amazing. And so that's, that's one of the ideas I've been noodling on for a little while. Cool. Cool. Great. Howard's good at finding that and inspiring, isn't he? Howard's freaking awesome, dude. Yeah, he is. He's an awesome. I don't know that, that guy, every time I talk to him, it's just like, I just feel better about life. Yeah, I, I, I agree. And I will say one of the highlights of Gen Con, one of many, was watching Steve and Howard just bounce ideas off of each other. And occasionally, some of that brilliance would spill over. <laughs> yeah, we, oh gosh, it's just fun, right? You know, you, you get together with people that you, that you enjoy talking with or that you just click with. I mean, shoot, I remember it. Um, I remember at that, uh, um, uh, at that party we went to, Matt. That, I think it was like the first night we were there, yeah. the second night we were there. Yeah, it was, le- it was the legendary, signer, legendary yeah, signatures party. So a lot of and, who's who and Conan and adjacent. Right. And, yeah. and you know, Sean, Sean was running around like schmoozing everybody, being, being Sean. <laughs> and, uh, and, and I was just kind of there. I was super tired. And, and you and I just didn't end up chatting. Yeah, yeah. And, and, you know, I think, I think we clicked pretty quick. And it was just, it's, it's interesting how you just, when you meet people like that, who's um, who tend to like the same things you like and appreciate them for the same reasons you do, mm-hmm. like it's pretty easy to give each other a high five and yeah, like, yeah. like, yeah, cool. Let, like, yeah, let's chat, you know? Yeah. And, and that was, and that's always really cool. And, you know, you guys have been like that and, you know, Howard was that way for me when we met several years ago. It's, it's just fun that way. That, that's why I like going to those things. And, and I think, well, yeah, absolutely. Um, and, and I think sometimes too, we, we sort of undersell or we underemphasize the importance of our interests, right? So you and I were talking a lot about horror and in some ways it's like, yeah, that's just sort of the fiction you consume. But to me, it's always been more important. It's, um, I don't know, man, that's, that's like a part of my identity. And when you can talk to someone and you're, you're riffing about the things you enjoy, like, that's a big deal. It's, it's not actually it's cool. a small deal. Yeah, no, it's cool. It's really cool. And it, and it's, you know, the, it's like when you get together with people and uh, even if you haven't seen them for, for, for quite a while and you get mm-hmm. together and you should have a lot to talk about, but after like three minutes, you're kind of like, yeah, mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, do you, do you watch any, <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Like, you know what I mean? I and, do. And, and yet, somehow, somehow during the course of that that crazy Gen Con week, I think, I think we ended up like at dinners or meals and stuff together almost every night. Mm-hmm. And yeah. and every night we were just we were just talking nonstop about everything, right? Yeah, like that's and 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 that's the way it was for Howard and I too. Anytime we talk, it's it's always that way. And that's how it is with my, with like my really good friends. We can talk about whatever. Right. And, yeah. and you just, you just connect with them. And it's because of, like you were saying, Matt, it's those, it's those shared interests where it's not a minor deal. That's mm-hmm. actually yeah. a pretty big deal for us. And I, and I think that, and I think that that's why we get drawn together, you know, whether it's, you know, the, whether it's the shows we like, or, or, you know, for the purposes of this podcast, it's, it's, it's things like sword and sorcery and fantasy and the weird and, and, and the bizarre and, and the things that we like. Yeah. When you bring all that together, I mean, it's, it's so much fun to geek out about that stuff with people. Right. hundred percent. So Mr. Korsgaard, what about you? What are you geeking on right now? Okay. Well, 
Oh, this is where I kind of get to flex the I work with Bane, na-na-na-boo-boo moment. <laughs> I, I just finished the submitted draft for Larry Correa's latest Forgotten Warrior book, Ooh. Tower of Silence. So for all of our sword and sorcery fans who have not yet boarded the Forgotten Warrior hype train, oh, what are you waiting for? You've got three books to catch up <laughs> on before April. It's and really, really good. Oh, it's outstanding. One of the most unique. I would go as far as to say it is not only one of the best works of sword and sorcery of the past decade, it has a claim to be one of the best fantasy works of the past decade. It's really good. But okay. putting equally, that, though, putting that right I think on the we list. might have a challenger. We might have a challenger in the other series I'm diving into right moment uh, by some author named Howard Andrew Jones. Uh, hmm. We just got the second Hanavar book submitted. And uh, that will be my weekend. I will be diving headfirst into that, and you will not hear from me again until probably the following morning, because that's <laughs> how the first book went. That's awesome. I cannot pick up Lord of a Shattered Land enough. Put it on your sword and sorcery fans, please. Put it on your calendars for next August. Get your pre-orders in now and tell all your friends, I like the series before it was cool because you want to be that guy here. Trust me. It's outstanding. <laughs> I love it. And so shall you. Yeah, we'll have uh, we'll have Howard back. That, before before that, uh, we, we will have Howard back to hawk that book and talk a little more about it. Many, many times, I hope. God knows there's enough he can talk about with it. It's a labor <laughs> of love, and it shows on every page. But I'll get to something else we have in the pipeline, probably a bit later in the podcast. But as far as for the bizarre of the bizarre, myself and a couple of the other Bain employees, uh, Jason Cordova, possibly if we can rope in Christopher Rocchio, are planning to go see the Conan anniversary screening in Raleigh early next month. Because oh. I might have worn my first DVD of that movie to the point it would not play, but it'll be my first time seeing it on the big screen. And I hope between Arnie's muscles and Basil Polidorus's score, my mind will be blown just as much as it was that first time. It's uh, it is an awesome movie to watch on the big screen. Yes, I am like, so jealous. I'll be in Germany when that comes up in a theater close to me. But oh, good on you for doing that. I mean, it's oh, that should be good. I mean, it's a masterpiece. So jealous. Um, so jealous. <laughs> aside from maybe the Lord of the Rings, the greatest fantasy movie ever filmed. It put. Yeah, those are the two, you in know, my it opinion. Takes some, yeah. It takes some flack from the Howard fans for not being true Conan, but it catches the spirit. And more importantly, how many people fell in love with Conan, with Robert Howard, with Schwarzenegger, with Sword and Sandal, and mm -hmm. stories of muscular men facing terrifying magic and even more terrifying odds because of that movie. Mm-hmm. I always say, uh, and I, I go on record for this and I'm sure, you know, some people roll their eyes, but that movie is as important to me as Robert E. Howard's Conan works full stop. I'm not I, saying one's better than the other. I'm not saying one is more valuable. I'm not saying anything like that. I'm saying that 
to me, that film is 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 monumental. I agree. Important. And yeah. much like with Howard's work, every time you revisit it, you find a new angle. Like mm-hmm. one of my favorite things, uh, if you ever hop onto Twitter and see the hashtags for action Twitter popping up, there was some discussion a couple months ago on how if you mute all the dialogue from the movie and just go off the visual cues and the music, it's operatic to the point you can still gather the story, the plot, yeah. the arcs just off of those. Yeah. And there are a lot of movies you can say that about. Space Odyssey 2001, maybe? I don't know. <laughs> if, I'm, if I'm thinking about something that might work purely visually. I think, I think 2000 much improved with a bit more bloodshed and sword... <laughs> Sword fighting thrown in here and there. Conan versus Hal. Wouldn't that be something? Mm. So, okay, that's that's wicked. Open the the temple doors, Hal. (laughs) Do it. Do it now. Come on. Uh, I'm sorry, Conan. I cannot do that. (laughs) You stole the blood jewel, Conan. You killed my father. You took his sword. So, so Sean, since you're on the, you're on the mic right now, maybe we should just transition uh, like right over to the topic du jour here, which is, um, which is basically it's going to, it's Bane. We, 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 we were trying to get, uh, we had a few other authors that were going to join us. Three had to drop out for like very legit reasons. uh, One we've already mentioned, Um, but we've got you two. And what we kind of want to know and what our listeners probably want to know and what you want to share is probably about what is going on with Bane and Sword and Sorcery. Bane, by the way, is, is a publisher. Just, just for those who do not know, they publish books, a lot of speculative fiction books. Um, well, well, and they're an awesome publisher. Um, <laughs> be- before, I, before I was like published by them and stuff, um, I used to run a book review site. And I had access to every single fantasy publisher that was out there. Um, and I worked with all of them, um, Tor, Daw, Bane, you know, Bane, of course, mm-hmm. um, all of them at Orbit. And the funny thing about Bane is they were the ones that always treated me the best. Uh, they were always the nicest. They put out a lot of really good fiction. All the publishers put out good fiction, I think. But, um, but I thought Bane really catered towards what I liked. And... And so when I finally got published with Bain, I was like, oh, all right, sweet. It's these guys. These guys are yeah, awesome. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I mean, look, if you like, especially these days, if, if you're like in sword and sorcery, uh, Bain is becoming a really good place for that. Uh, if you like military science fiction, I mean, Bain is the best place for military science fiction, bar none. Like no, no one else is even close. Uh, I mean, it just has, Bain has so much good fiction to offer people. Uh, and, and I'm glad that I'm one of the guys writing for it. Now, whether it's good or not is a whole different thing, but I at least get to write there. So that's cool. Uh, Sean, can I, I'm sorry. Don't, I sell yourself, yeah, don't sell yourself short, Steve. You're, you're one of the good ones. And by oh, good ones, good. I mean our offers. Let's face <laughs> it. They're the best of the best. <laughs> Sean does, uh, and I hope I'm not misstepping here, but is John Scalzi one of your authors? 
No, sir, he is not. I was just curious. Nothing against Stacy. It's he is a tour man through and through, quite proud of the contract they offered him. And he's had a couple short stories with us, but beyond that, he is his own man. We are I have nothing against him. Let's just put it at that way. Okay. Yep. I I'm sure that he's quite happy with his publishers. I was just curious. I don't notice Not publishers on the books that often. Well, that's why we need to teach people more to look for the logo on the spine, because if it's that dragon rocket ship on the side, our logo, you're in for a good time, regardless of the name, <laughs> the title, <laughs> even the genre. Yep. But Steve really touched on most of the high points. Uh, my own experience is Bain has, since its founding in the 80s, been the largest donator of books to the United States military and military charities. And yep. my first encounter was racked up recovering from pneumonia in a military hospital. Bain actually had care packages to the people there, including myself, and I've been hooked ever since. Likewise, that's, when that's I was... That's a great story. Uh, one day I'll have to tell the full one, just because it's a little hilarious, so long as you don't mind a little bit of my own suffering. And who does? <laughs> but... And a couple years later, when almost a decade now, my first science fiction fantasy convention, Bain has these touring road shows where they introduce their authors, their books for the coming year. And memorably, if it's your first time or you're a military veteran, you always go away with a free book. Yep. And I was a decade younger, had much less hair and much less body fat than I do now, but <laughs> I'll never forget that one of their editors, Gray Reinhardt, and an author who was having his debut novel at this convention, Chuck Gannon, took an hour out of their day to talk with me, a newly discharged soldier with vague dreams of becoming an author. And in, I'm proud to call them both and many of their other authors friends. And the encouragement and mentorship they offered me was invaluable. It's been part of the reason I try to be as cordial and friendly with everyone I meet in this field as I can, because I want to have that same impact that they did. But to roll back to our role in Sword and Sorcery, my one disagreement with Steve is that it's not something new we're doing at Bain. You're true. One of my That's true. favorite poets. Don't call it a comeback. We've been here for years. This is the house built by David Drake, David Weber, Elizabeth Moon, Part Paxinarian, Vettius, Oath of Gold. And for the map, a lot of these are part of the Bain Free Library. So for those of you who haven't exposed yourself to some of the finest we have to offer, like all good drug dealers, Bain understands the first hits on the house. <laughs> but at least when I was interviewing with Bain, part of what I pitched them on, because I am our press, our PR guy, our military liaison, was pointing out that our brand is we dominate military science fiction. But in terms of fantasy, every publisher sort of has their own identity. Tor is the house that Brent, Robert Jordan, Orson Scott Card built, and then Brandon Sanderson built a skyscraper of money on top of. <laughs> Orbit has a spectacular range of global authors, ranging from Andrzej Sapowski of Poland to a wonderful collection of the rising African science fiction view. Bane, it's our flip side to that military sci-fi coin is sword and sorcery. Character-driven, yeah. action-heavy, 
great heroes facing even greater odds and triumphing by skill, wit, and their sword arm. That is the lifeblood of both genres. And even before the sort of boom we're seeing now in the sword and sorcery subgenre, we were the home of Larry Correa's Forgotten Warrior Saga, which is probably one of the best works in genre today. And I really want to try and make Bane. And this is something that, if you think you love sword and sorcery, our editor-in-chief, Tony Weisskopf, I promise you she loves it even more than you. Yeah, you, t- you she told me... Behind you, you told me she, she, she steals the... Uh... Tales from the Magician Skull magazines pretty quickly when they come in. Yeah. Okay. Steals is kind of a hard word. She appropriates. <laughs> yeah. But, well, the boss is the boss, uh, man. You, you can do that. Boss is the boss. But yeah. I will say the first book I ever passed up the chain for recommendation was Howard Andrew Jones, Lord of a Shattered Land. Mm. I offered it fully honest, but full-throated praise to the point I even said, I will be buying this day one with or without our logo on the side. And I desperately hope it has that. Mm-hmm. And Tony, true to form, one of the best editors in the business, skeptical was like, okay, you've hyped up this book. Better live up to the hype. The next morning, get me his agent. I'm 50 pages in. I see what you mean. Nice. But we have Howard Andrew Jones, Hanavar which I hope will be a crown jewel of our rising sword and sorcery collection. Tim Akers, who has the Urban Fantasy Nightwatch series with us, but also has his own sword and sorcery background, going back to his work with Paizo for Pathfinder. Oh, yeah. He has a new series coming out next year. First book, Bound, where I know your mom probably told you not to judge a book by the cover, Please judge this book by the cover. It's spectacular. It's awesome. And I promise the book inside is even better. It's really good. Gregory Frost, one of the best fantasy authors writing today, has a new series from us next summer. Uh, Rhymer, which is a twist on Scottish and Celtic myth of the 12th century balladeer Thomas the Rhymer, involving elves as they always should be portrayed, evil as hell that crosses <laughs> time and space. And... DJ Butler, another one of our editors and spectacular talents at Bain, has a, for those of you who like your sword and sorcery, more of a Fritz Lieber or Jack Vance style, with just a splash of Zelazny, he has his Indrogit and Fix series, which we have two books coming out next year for. And of course, we have some, hopefully some titles we can announce soon, but we're one of the only trad publishers on earth that is open to submissions 365 days a year. We do not require an agent. You follow our guidelines, submit in English, and bring your very best. But if you love sword and sorcery, if you want to write sword and sorcery, we want to be the home of sword and sorcery. We want that logo to mean as much as the doll logo or Robert Howard's name meant decades ago. Mm-hmm. So please, Hit us with your very best, and we'll deliver the very best. We guarantee it. Well, that's that's a hell of a that's a hell of a sales pitch. Yeah, I mean, and I, I feel know, like I want to start writing something. <laughs> yeah, the inspiration <laughs> is flowing, huh? I, I know a guy that has a write-in advice podcast you could listen to, Dean. 
Oh yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. It's me. Oh yeah. <laughs> Spoiler alert. Spoilers. I don't know. The, do the writer Gojo podcast. Please check it out. Also, yeah. so I'm sure friend of this show as well as our own Oliver Brackenberry's. So you're writing a novel. Mm-hmm. But yeah, there's a, there's a lot of great, uh, you know, writing podcasts, but also just sword and sorcery writing podcasts. Like we've even done a the touch of that here. Come again. We cut the out on that. is really having a moment, which is exciting. The subgenre is really having its moment, which is exciting. Mm-hmm. It's been out of style for a while, I think, just because everybody saw the castle of money that Robert Jordan and several epic fantasy authors made for themselves. And I can't blame them. The money is good. It's the style. But I think the field is perhaps a little saturated or Game of Thrones out, perhaps. Yeah, but- there's only so many doorstoppers one can read. And, uh, you know, we've had this discussion a few times here or the whetstone discord um but like there has to be that other thing you know not even just necessarily one-off novels but things that can be 300 pages or 400 pages or like i don't know i i if i'm reaching for a doorstopper that's like a once every five years kind of thing where it's like am i committing to his you know am i going to read am i going to commit this much time to a particular series it's going to have to wow me but I, I've heard that perhaps that's changing a bit, right? That even um, publishers are wanting more so not giant books. Well, I mean, so one of my one of my uh, my many many side gigs is is as a publisher, um, publishing special editions for people, mm. and uh, part of that is just because paper is really expensive right now, and so just the just the sheer cost. Um, mm-hmm. of doing that is, is, is actually pretty important. Now, as far as doorstops versus something that you can pick up and go, I also think people's attention spans are shorter right now. Mm-hmm. Um, and so they want to pick up something that they can get into, get into quick, um, enjoy the ride. You know, it's, it's more of like, it's a thrill ride versus like a safari. Whereas the, the big, you know, the big doorstop is like that, that like two week, three week safari that you go on half the time, you're not going to see anything, but when you do, it's pretty cool. Um, whereas a lot of this other stuff, it's more the thrill ride. Like it mm-hmm. starts fast. It ends fast. It's fast the whole time. It's pulpy. It's punchy. It hits. And, and then on the business side, in my opinion, I'm like, well, like why well, write one book that's this thick when I can write two that are this thick? Yeah. Yeah. You know, and, and, and you can put them out quicker unless your name is Brandon Sanderson. Cause that dude is just a machine, but <laughs> like, I mean, if, if you can reliably put out something that's quick, punchy, gets to the point, then, then I think you're going to, I think you're going to hit your audience a little bit faster and a little bit better. Yeah. But, um, but on the flip side, I do think that or on, on, on another kind of related note, uh, I do think that people are perhaps a little tired of everything being grim and everything being dark. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Especially when the world has, has been that the last few years, right? We we want something. Yeah. And I think really, yeah. And I, and I think good sword and sorcery, it gives us good heroes. It gives us heroes Mm -hmm. that we can, that we can 
like fist pumping the air as, as we, as like, we're reading like the cool stuff that they're doing. Mm-hmm. We're like, yeah, that's awesome. You know, like, you know, I mean, I, I challenge anyone to read like a David Gemmel novel and oh, not yeah. just be like, and not just be like, yeah, that dude's a freaking hero. Yeah, man. Like if they don't say that at the end, then they're not human. And they should probably, they should probably just go back to reading like romance or whatever. Yeah. We we need more of that. I I agree. You read uh, Gemmel's like the iron code. And if you disagree with like a line of that, I don't trust you as a human being. (laughs) You know what I mean? Like that, that's a litmus test. And kind of like Steve pointed out. And as you touched on yourself, Matt, things are hard for a lot of people people right now they look to be getting harder and Mm. as awful as bad times are things come in cycles and typically rough times mean people are looking for heroes for heroic fiction and sword and sorcery has always thrived during times like that the foundation of the genre was during the great depression robert howard fritz lieber and scores of the authors that cut their teeth during that time period it had a resurgence during the 1970s. Michael Moorcock, David Drake, Carl Edward Wegner. And while we have had authors out of those cycles, you had Leah Brackett and Jack Vance writing it in the 50s. You had, you've had Howard Jones and Scott Oden writing it throughout the 2000s. I think we've sort of hit that stride back in that cycle. And we can see that from the New Edge to Pulp Revivalists and... We're hungering for that thing we always crave during times of trouble. We're looking for heroes and fiction that reflects that. And Sword and Sorcery delivers on that in spades. Amen, as it were. I'm a very holy man, you guys. That's why I said that. (laughs) (laughs) Um, (laughs) So, Dean, I want to make sure uh, you get a little time to pick Steve's uh, brain here because Steve wrote a book. Uh, with with Larry Korea, uh, Korea, Korea, Korea. So it actually is Korea. Yes. Yes. Oh shit! Sorry, sorry, Larry. Portuguese. Uh, I was trying to put in some Korea. I don't know. <laughs> no. <laughs> All right. So, um, so you got a book, Servants of War, Dean. Uh, after after we met, uh, after we all met at Gen Con, Dean was like, "I'm getting that book," and he got it. And well, so. I know you got some questions, Dean. I do. I do. I got to back up a little bit because um, to go back to the events at Gen Con, you know, we're sitting there doing that live recording, somewhat live recording. And Steve started talking about this uh, or no, uh, somebody who's in the audience, one of our listeners, Michael Coker was in the audience and he stood up and he was saying how he really enjoyed being a fly on the wall. And then he started talking about this game that he plays uh, called never going home, which is set in a world war one, a weird world war one setting with a lot of occult and a lot of Lovecraftian type stuff. And just kind of a really wicked theme. And Steve's like, I write stuff like that. And then he started to, you know, expound upon that. And that's when I'm like, Holy crap. I want to read that stuff. So I went out and read it and by God, Steve, that is probably the best book I have read this year. Seriously. Oh, yeah. And it's, and it's, and we're in December. We're almost in December. Yeah. Like, and I, I, I mean, I, if, you, 
if you had said that like the first week of January, like, you know, no. it might be a different conversation. <laughs> no. But I've been reading a lot of books. I wouldn't say that I, I'm not a, vor- a voracious reader, but I have read, you know, my fair share this year. And I just love the hell out of your book. Um, oh, it hit all of the things that I love. I mean, I love mill sci-fi. I really do. Yeah. And the setting, you know, that nominally World War One-ish, mm-hmm. you know, setting with the, you know, weird occult and, you know, interdimensional type of travel. Had a little bit of a Stranger Things theme kind of go, not theme but you know feel to it a little mm-hmm. bit really loved it and so um that's why i'm really excited that you're here on the episode because i get to say <laughs> cool things to you to your face oh um, no i appreciate that and and uh, don't think i didn't i didn't see the uh, the review on amazon i appreciate that man <laughs> i yeah. appreciate that yeah um one of the things that i wanted to ask is you know you are co-writing this with larry korea mm-hmm. and it was really intriguing to me. How do you do that? How do you go about that? How do you separate out? I'm going to do this. You're going to do that. I mean, is it a, uh, do you make a committee judgment on how things are going to go? What the character is going to do is one character, your character, you know, all those kind of things. Can you explain that without going too far into the weeds? Oh yeah. Yeah. I mean, you know, every, every co-author relationship is a little different. Um, Oftentimes you'll see like, you'll see the people who write, like, there's like, okay, I, I'll write this point of view character and this guy will write that point of view character. Um, you see that pretty often. Uh, what Bain likes to do a lot is they like to take one of their big, like famous stable authors, um, you know, your David Weber's, David Drake's, whatever, uh, in this case, Larry Korea. And then uh, they, par- they partner him with someone who is, uh, who's, who's pretty new to, to writing but who they have, they have trust in, they have faith in. Now I've known Larry for more than a decade. He's, he's one of my best friends. And so, and, and we've written a lot of short fiction and stuff together. So one day, Tony Weisskopf over at Bain approached Larry and said, Hey, Larry, uh, you're doing really good. I need an extra book a year from you because yay money. Right. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and he said, well, Capitalism. I know. And she's like, he's like, well, well, Tony, that's, that's kind of hard. Like I don't have time to write another one. She said, well then find a co-author who can do that for you. (laughs) And so he texted me and he said, Hey, Steve, um, I want to pitch Tony this book idea that we have together. Um, is that okay? And I was like, well, yeah, sure. Whatever. Like I'm going to say no. Right. Yeah. And, uh, and then 15 minutes later, he texts me back and he says, yeah, Tony says she wants that book. So uh, welcome to Bain, I guess. So I was like, okay, well, this is awesome. Okay, um, so the, the nexus for his, the, the idea of the book was his, and he drew you in to help, or? Well, actually, the idea for this book started out as a tie-in fiction piece for a game company. Uh, we were, we've both written for Privateer Press uh-huh. um, for, for the War Machine universe. Okay. Um, oh. Yeah, Larry has a Did couple not. pieces of yeah. Larry has a couple novels with them and some short stories, uh, and cool. then I have some short stories. I was supposed to have a novella come out from them, but they uh, they ghosted me uh, after I went through a bunch of work. So yeah, jerks. But yeah. Um, so whatever. Um, so we 
they approached us to write this book because a previous author had left them hanging. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and so they, they asked Larry and I if we could write this book for him. We said, yeah, sure. So we put together this giant outline, sent it over, and they said, uh, they were like, yeah, let's do it, let's do it, let's do it. And then everything just kind of went silent on their end. Now, I think it, it kind of happened at the same time that they more or less killed their fiction line. Uh, so whatever. But um, Privateer Press is trying to compete with Games Workshop, which is yeah. a tall order, man. That's a tall order. Yeah, it's, it's not going to happen. Um, and there, uh, a, a few years later, this is when, when Larry approached me. He's like, hey, what if we just like filed the, ser- the serial numbers off and got rid of all the stuff that we didn't want to write about anyway, and we just made it cool? I was like, yeah, let's do it. So that's where we, that's where we, we came up with it. Um, the kind of the, the turning point was taking the robots from war machine mm-hmm. and making them something cooler, making them something different, making them golems. What an making awesome them idea. Mm-hmm. Not golems, yeah. golems, golems, yeah, golems, and... whatever golems. <laughs> I don't know. G O L E M. Yes. Yeah. Very a Jewish mythological the, the, creation. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. yeah exactly. Yeah. I've seen that and, film uh, from you know the old silent picture. I think it was. Yeah. And and so so Larry and I we decided we were going to do this, and so we were eating Thai food together at this, this local Thai place, and uh, and I don't to this day neither of us can quite remember who suggested like well what if we turn them into golems. And, uh, but once we came up with that idea, it kind of catalyzed everything else for us. Um, the idea that, that, that these people were driving suits of armor made out of the husks or powered by the husks of dead golems, more or less. Yeah. That was um, such a great idea. Um, that, you know, once I got into it and realized what that was, that just like hooked me. I was like, Oh, this is so cool. You basically got a war suit, a, you know, war armor, yeah. but it's kind of alive too. Mm. And it responds it to the essence or the, the, it responds to the person for better or for worse, who's inside it, driving it. And I was like, yeah. oh, damn. Just wait until we get the model kits for them. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. So uh, I don't know if you got, if the two of you, Sean knows this. I don't know if you two know this. My uh, one of my very geeky hobbies is building Gundam models. Oh yeah. Um, so I, I I do that for fun and in relaxation a lot. Uh, but uh, but yeah. So man, I would kill for a model kit of of the objects from from this mm-hmm. book series. Yeah. But uh, but no. So I mean, it's totally means all quiet on the Western Front. How can we not cash in on that? Yeah. No kidding. Yeah. 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 So. Um, for Larry and I, our process was we got together, we outlined the whole book together. I'm typically a discovery writer, which means I don't outline anything. I just go, hmm. um, Larry, is an out- yeah, Larry is an outliner. I know uh, Larry's a complete outliner, but when it comes to co-authored projects, um, it's, it's my opinion and, and Larry's opinion that you need to have an outline. So that yeah, both yeah. both authors are on the same page. Mm-hmm. So we outlined it together. He typed it up, added a couple things, sent it over to me. I wrote the entire first draft. 
So it was about a hundred thousand words um, with some gaps in it that I intentionally left because I knew he wanted to do a few things, sent it back to him. Um, he read it over. We met again. We decided that the original ending that we, that we'd written didn't work. So we switched it up and uh, he re he wrote that little part and then added some stuff. And when he gave it back to me, it was about 130,000 words. And then uh, when he gave it back to me, I added a few scenes, fixed a few stuff, embellished here and there. And it, after that, it was about 145,000. And so that's, that's pretty much how it went. We, we kind of, we bounced it back and forth at the end of the day, about five times, um, you know, tweaking it every single time. Mm -hmm. And what that did is that pretty much unified our voice. Now, nice. um, when it, you did ask the Dean about like, like certain characters, right? Um, when it comes to, to certain characters, for the most part, they're pretty, um, it's kind of a mix. Like the main character whose name is Alarian, uh, that character's it's both of us. It's just however we wrote it. Okay. Um, the very technical aspects of shooting from, from the character Natalia, that was Larry because Larry is a professional shooter. Cool. Um, you know, he used to, he used to own a machine gun store. Well, so. see, I picked up on some of that <laughs> because I'm a gun aficionado and, and Ooh. avid gun owner and stuff like that. And I picked up on that and that's what really appealed to me is that sometimes you can see when somebody doesn't really know what they're talking about when it Larry, comes to that type of stuff. Larry knows, Larry mm -hmm. knows when it comes to guns. Yeah. Um, Machine gun store is such a foreign concept to my Canadian ass. <laughs> oh, I've been to numerous machine gun stores. They're a hell of a lot of fun. Oh, oh what? Oh, now? <laughs> yeah. So, um, now when it came, but the, the one character, um, so, so there's kind of a, a rabbi type character, Amos, yeah. Larry did most of him. Okay. Um, just cause I, that character just didn't click for me when I was trying to write him, but the character that clicked for me 1000% and is 99% me is Kristoff. Really? Oh yeah. All um, right. That's cool. So, now you have to kind of explain who Kristoff is to the okay Kristoff is a secret policeman he's a complete dirtbag but he's you know a what horrible horrible person he is but man I want to say he was the most interesting of the characters in that book I I really like writing dirtbags it turns out and I like um, what you did with it with his story at the end without spoiling it yes Yes. Now, the funny thing is, in, in a lot of yeah. other books, he would have been the villain. He would have mm. been the main villain. Yeah. But, but there's someone worse than him. Well, there's, he's certainly uh, not a good guy. Oh, he's not a good guy. Yeah. He's not a good guy. But, you know, the other... Say that again, Sean. Not to mention, as far as villains go, it's hard to beat, you know, fantasy World War One. Yeah. Yeah. The trenches are the bad guy. Yes. Yeah. World, yes. World War One is scary as shit. Yeah. Yes. It is. Well, and, as far you know, as who wrote what, who do I blame for 
Who do I get to thank and or blame for the phrase, do you believe in fate, Valerina, making me wake up in cold sweats? Yeah. Is that you or Larry? Oh, that was me. That was all me. Yeah, that one was Why me. Thank you or thank you. <laughs> yeah. So, so Larry is really known for action, like action fantasy, urban fantasy, guns mm-hmm. blazing fantasy, whatever. The the book that that Sean was talking about earlier, um, his saga of the Forgotten Warrior series, that book is like fantasy Judge Dread. Uh, mm. So it's 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 really good. But he's known for he's known for like actiony fantasy stuff. Right. Mm-hmm. I'm I'm known for horror, and so by by combining those two things, I think it works really well. And the, the way I like to, to kind of tell some people about this is it's like, if you imagine like a very sword and sorcery world, but that world has progressed technologically to its version of World War I, mm-hmm, like mm-hmm. That, that, that's kind of what this book is. You know, I mean, Alarian is, he's kind of a chosen one, which kind of breaks the trope. Right. But not really. Yeah. Like he's a chosen one, but not but, the, but not the chosen one. He's a chosen one. Not, he doesn't want to be. Mm-hmm. And that's probably a bad, sense. you know, and, and, you know, the other characters, they're, there's their heroes. They want to do the right thing. Even if that means, even if that means spilling a little blood in the process. Um, and, and so, you know, it's kind of like what you were talking about earlier, Matt, it's, it's kind of sword and sorcery adjacent, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, I couldn't, I, I don't think we could call it like pure sword and sorcery because there's not a lot of swords. Um, uh, and the, the sorcery is all terrible, bad, horrible, evil things. Uh, nothing good right now, but, uh, well, that, that right. tracks for sword and sorcery. I mean, I mean, that seems fine. Y- y- your, your magic is usually pretty sinister uh, in those tales. It is. And yeah. so, so that's kind of where we're at. But, you know, for, for Larry and I, co-writing this was, was pretty easy for us. Um, mm-hmm. we, just, we just wrote it. Um, went back and forth, back and forth. We have a lot of trust in each other, a lot of rapport with each other. Did you um, have to do a lot of research? I mean, well, first off, let me back up a second. Um, I think I caught, is this our world or a totally separate one? Can you confirm is, that? It is not our world, but it is connected to our world. Okay. All right. So, so, so like every folklore, Mm-hmm. Like, like, I mean, I mean, you know, we, we, we've all read like folklore stories and, right. stuff, and pretty much every, pretty much every, uh, community or every culture in the history of man has had some sort of folklore or myth where people have, where they always say like, oh yeah, like they walked off into the mists and they were never seen again. Right. Hmm. So the idea is this is where they went. Gotcha. Okay. Hmm. Did you have to do uh, a lot this of world is ruled by, by three terrible goddesses. Yeah. Which I thought was a really cool, uh, take on, on the mythology of the world. Yeah. Did you have to do a lot of research, uh, to kind of get the feel? Maybe it was Larry who did it. I don't know. Um, for the world war one trench warfare, or is it just, no, something... no. um, I, well, both Larry and I really like, 
like war history and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. So that part was, that part just kind of came natural. Okay. And it's pretty easy to go through like world war one history and, and find things and find stories of heroism and find stories of horror. Yeah. Right. And, and, and where they intersect Um, because the horror is only as horrific as, uh, as it is contrasted against good. Right. So if it's just nonstop dark horror all the time, it it doesn't mean much, but when you contrast it against hope and heroism, suddenly you realize how dark things can get and how heroic people can be. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And so the, the joining of those two items is, is so prevalent within war. And it's so prevalent. It was especially prevalent in, in areas where, where, where war was very man on man, trench, trench, trench to trench, stuff like that. Um, and as soon as we we really hit on this, like, yeah, this is this is just this fantasy world's version of World War One. We're like, yeah, like this is where, like, we're gonna have trench warfare scenes. We're gonna have gas because because of how horrific all that was. Mm. But in the midst of all that, we want to show like pure, like just pure like fist pumping heroism from mm-hmm. some of these cool characters. Yeah, um, and you know, we we did have one guy tell us that um that the book wasn't dark enough because there weren't enough there weren't enough rats eating people oh <laughs> well that's a and thing like, that you know you oh, just assumed oh. yeah so uh so just for that guy i'm gonna introduce a scene of that in book two which uh i just signed the contract for that today Rad. that's awesome news that is awesome news and that book will be called instruments of violence excellent wow what an awesome title (laughs) yeah that sounds like a heavy metal album yeah indeed or a band you know that could be a band Uh uh-huh yeah Yeah. we need Um, guardian for the sword and sorcery i think we might be able to get sabaton for this which is oh the bane demo that's the bane what awesome that's the bane market demo in a band if there ever was (laughs) Oh, for sure. I like, I just, I went and saw them, uh, like, oh, a month and a half ago. I saw, I saw Sabaton live and, uh, one, they killed it. They were amazing. Yeah. And, uh, and good grief. As I was watching that, I, like I was listening to the music and stuff and, and I'm a fan anyway, but I'm listening to it and I'm watching. It, I'm like, yeah, this is like the theme song to my book. Yeah. Like, yeah. Cool. This is like the theme band to my book. I, <laughs> so, I got I got ripped off because uh, Judas Priest and Sabaton were touring, and they were uh, we don't get as many concerts here in Halifax, um, so they were coming. It was going to be a double a double headlining thing or something, and uh, and then COVID happened, and so the concert got canceled uh, and got it got re um, you know it got rescheduled. And I saw a priest, but Sabaton wasn't there. And it was like Queensryche. And I was like, oh, this is, it's not as, it's not as cool. Not that's as cool. A, that's a, that's a different, that's a different show. Queensryche that is, is a different, different show. show. I mean, and I'm honestly, priest is like one of my favorites. I, I, I was there for priest, but uh, you know, that was some icing on a cake that I didn't get to taste. Yeah. Although I, I think I get to pull up the Sabaton Trump card here because I've interviewed them. Oh, <laughs> Dirtbag. Hmm. 
If you actually watch footage of their concert in 2019 in Washington, D.C., you'll see Joaquim stop during the opening number and point at the press pit, posing for my camera. <laughs> nice. Excellent. Nice. No, it's not that nice, because during the interview, their condition was because they were trying to loosen up before the show, and they had this bottle of what I can only assume was Swedish moonshine. And, of course, the guy with Swedish war machine on his guitar sees my Danish last name and uh, makes the condition that for every question I ask, I have to do a shot. Oh! <laughs> <laughs> so let me tell you, a, a Sabaton concert while on the clock, while having a belly full of Swedish moonshine, that is not a night or a morning that I will ever forget. Oh, that's oh, hilarious. Or, or remember. Or remember, yeah. <laughs> hilarious. Oh, gosh. So, hey, yeah, you got something there, Dean? I'm just. Yeah, uh, I just, I kind of want to yeah. follow up and kind of bring full circle back to our first meeting at uh, Gen Con. Uh, I mentioned that game, Never Going Home, and you went out and found the publishers and I think bought everything that they have written so far. Um, I did. <laughs> I have no, I have no self-control. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> have you made any type of contact with them to like, you know, maybe write something up for them, you know, as an adventure or a scenario or maybe taking some inspiration from something that they have produced or something like that? Cause there's some great stuff and those two, that story and that game just for me, blended together as like it was written for that game or the game was written for that book <laughs> one of the two yeah you, you know i haven't yet um I, right after that show right after that live show we did i i literally left there like ran to the dealer's <laughs> room yeah i remember that went, went to their booth right. and bought everything yeah um in fact i think i bought the last like like complete package that they had where, where it was everything. I, yeah. I think I bought the last one that they had. Um, I haven't had a chance to, to like fully dig in on it yet. Um, right when I got back uh, from Gen Con, I went into full like work mode and I was just nonstop yeah. every day. But you know, I don't have that problem anymore uh, <laughs> since, uh, since I got laid off. But uh you know, so I, I, I'm looking forward to it. When, when I spoke with them, a few of their writers were there. Mm -hmm. um, and I told them that I was recommended to them by, uh, by, by the, uh, what's his name? Coker? M Michael. Michael Coker, Michael? yes. Yeah. And, uh, Who is an avid listener to this podcast. Well, Michael. Hi, Michael. Know. Love you, dude. Uh, so he, so I told him that, you know, I'm like, hey, yeah, he, he recommended that I come get this stuff. I write this stuff. This is what I write. And they were like, wow, that sounds awesome. We're going to go read that. And they were like all writing it down what it was. I don't know if they did. Right. But, um, but no, I would love to. I would love to. I've, I've written for games in the past. Mm -hmm. um, and so I would love to write for them um, or for anyone for that matter. But uh, yeah, it'd be interesting. It'd be really interesting to do something like that with them. Just a thought that came across my mind yeah. when I was reading the book and the playing the game. So Maybe well, some happy marriage can come of it. I know. Well, I right. do love, I love Lovecraft. Anything Lovecraftian, I love it. Mm -hmm. And, and so, you know, World War One, Lovecraftian horror type stuff. I'm like, come on. Like, like that feels like, I mean, that feels like a match made. That's why I like completely stopped that show 
when we were doing it, I'm like, whoa, whoa, whoa. <laughs> what is this game? Yes, yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, if you can't tell from my enthusiasm to the listeners out there, go if you have to go to the go to your friendly local bookstore or order it from Bain or wherever, but get Steve's book. I can't recommend it enough. It's really fantastic. The audiobook for Servants of War is on sale on Audible throughout the end of the month. So that's awesome. That on sale if you can, because uh, the narrator does a bang up job with all the accents, characters, and just the right amount of terror. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. I just, uh, I actually just listened to the entire audiobook of it, um, like as a recap for myself, kind of get myself back in the mind space for it. Hmm. since i'll probably be uh i'm gonna try to have that full book written by the end of february oh wow um so now as to when that's published i don't know let me ask i'll I'll let i'll let bane take care of that part. well let me ask sean how long does it take from a submitted manuscript to publishing you know and getting it into the hands of the readers how long does that usually take there are a lot of factors that go into that admittedly and to be perfectly upfront, I've got, as of this month, one year's experience with Bain, so I'm still learning a lot about the process myself. But a lot yeah. of it depends on, is there a space in the schedule? Right. What is the author contracted for? How did the last book perform? But, for example, to use our mutual friend Howard Andrew Jones, because Howard is a machine, he already had most of the second book written when we signed him to a five-book contract. We had an open spot in the call, so you guys get to break a second scoop. You will not be getting one out of our book next year. You are getting oh. two. Very wow. cool. So is it, is, it, is, it, is, it, is it August and December? August and October. So it will be oh. releasing alongside the new Monster Hunter book. So oh, that's awesome. for all of you who want to snag our October book bundle, you're getting a great value there. Wow. But if I had to guess, so long as great. It look if I had to guess, spring or and again, not my department, not my circus. I am not that monkey. But if I had to guess, spring or summer 2024 for book two, which is nice because that's during our anniversary year. Bane will be yeah. 40 years old in 2024. Yeah. You know, for, uh, for, for book one, we, let's see, it came out in March of this year, came out March 1st or 2nd, something like that. Whatever the day that, uh, that, that Putin declared war on Ukraine, that was the day our book came out. Thanks, oh. Jake Face. Oh, oh man! <laughs> <laughs> so, so the book, of, so, so the, we the had book a about World War Three anthology, same month. Oh gosh, it was it was the worst timing. I mean, what a timing! I mean, the a book about like pseudo Russians invading another country comes out the day that real Russia invades another country. Like, give me a break. I, <laughs> like, I couldn't have predicted this crap. No, no. But, uh, break that we didn't have Russians summoning Cthulhu and starting Weird World War Four. Well, I guess there's that. Well, there's always next year, guys. Right. Yeah. Let's but, you hope know, I, 
you know, when it comes to production stuff, a lot of times it depends on, on the need. Um, even big publishers, they can be pretty, they can be pretty nimble and agile um, when their backs are up against the wall a little bit. So like we didn't turn in the copy edited version of Servants of War until December of last year. So from, from the copy edited version up from December and it, and it came out in March of the following, you know, just three months later. So that's pretty quick actually. Um, so, you know, it, it just depends. Like Sean said, it kind of depends on how the sales go. It depends on the need. It depends on if there's a slot in the schedule. So it's, it, it's so many factors. And I think bigger publishers are trying to learn to be more nimble because of, of the way self-publishing is and stuff. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? So, but yeah, so that's, 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 that's the books. That's Servants of War in a nutshell, Dean. Excellent. Uh, I'm so happy to hear that you're working on the next one. I'm not happy to hear the circumstances that put you so, into that, but so, it's okay. So here's the, so here's a question, Dean. Did yeah. you, um, have you read uh, the prequel short story that I wrote to that world? No. Ah, Where does that see, exist? So it's in a Bane anthology. It's called Noir Fatale. So it's basically uh, all, it's all science fiction, fantasy stuff, mm-hmm. like all, all noir themed. And so it's kind of like, so I do a story that's Christoph's basically origin story. Oh, wow. Oh, awesome. Yeah. It's my take on the Maltese Falcon with it. <laughs> While we're plugging Bane anthologies, how's everyone feel about a third scoop for the evening? Uh, I like ice cream. Dude, more scoops is always better. Yeah. You know this, Matt. All Come the on. scoops, baby. All the Dude, scoops. All the scoops. All the scoops for the Rogues in the House podcast. Let's hear it, Coors Guard. Now I'm hungry. Oh. Oh, oh. Yeah. Ice cream afterward. But now, just because I know there have been a lot of questions, while on the note of what Bane's doing for Sword and Sorcery, we're still getting the final contracts arranged, but... It's looking like Howard and I will be doing not one, not two, but three Sword and Sorcery anthologies for Bane. Hell yeah. And I know I've talked with Steve about this previously, but if you're still looking for more uh, Servants of War and Age of Ravens to scratch that itch, I've talked to him about doing a short story for one of them. Yep. Dig it. So I'll I'll be writing some of that too. Uh, and hopefully, by the next time we have a big Bane roundtable on Rogues in the House, with all of our authors present, hopefully, I'll have some more concrete details to share on that one. But they're coming, and as soon as the ink is dry, I will gleefully gab about all of them, because Matt has actually seen some of the plans we had for them. Yeah, Matt, uh... what are the listeners in for with these three? Uh, well, according to the things I have glimpsed, uh, there's some, (laughs) the plans are amazing. And if this comes to fruition, I think it is, um, see, I don't know what I'm allowed to say (laughs) about anything, but I would just say that I think the approach is, is, is a brilliant one. Um, and it'll be sort of the kind of signal boost, um, that, that a lot of us in the sword and sorcery realm 
uh, have been looking for? I know that a lot of the Sword and Sorcery fans have been asking for a trad publisher to back the genre. Exactly. And he's putting and our money where, the, where our mouths are. So please show up and support it. Oh, yeah. I mean... You know, we'll do we'll do our uh, our best, of course, to promote all that. But it, yeah, I, I agree. This is a very when this comes to fruition, it's a very put your money where your mouth is um, because this will be major. My yeah, goal is for the, my goal is for these anthologies to be for sword and sorcery with the legends anthologies from Del Rey or for epic fantasy, mm-hmm. and yeah. at least on paper. They got the names to back up the pitch. Yeah. Or even even like the, you know, even like the the David Gemmel anthologies that they put out. There's a couple of those that came out um, for the David Gemmel Awards back when those existed. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I'm very excited. I'm very, very excited for this project. Yeah. When 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 Sean messaged me the other day and was like, hey dude, feel like writing some things? I'm like, well, yeah, I always feel like writing some things. So let's do this. Hell yeah, man. Uh, I'm excited. This will, this will be really, really cool. Uh, really, really cool. Yeah. So, you know, we'll, uh, I mean, I'm sure once, once the ink dries as it were, um, I think, you know, that, that announcement will happen outside of this podcast, but, uh, once those things are settled and we do get some more people on board, um, we're going to need to, to dish about this on this podcast. Cause it will be, it will be lit, as the kids said about four years ago. <laughs> Don't worry. We'll save some of the sweet details for your listeners. Okay, sweet. Love it. So um, I think it's we're, we're probably reaching wrap time. Um, so final words, final thoughts. Uh, maybe you'll start with uh, maybe Steve and then move on to Sean and you know, that was, that was kind of a, a nice big scoop, but uh, final thoughts, gents, go ahead, Steve. Well, uh, first, thanks. Thank you so much guys for having me on the show again. Uh, it's, it's awesome. And, and anytime you feel like having me come on and rambling coherently about stuff, like I'm always available. Love you guys. Um, yeah, thank you, man. But, uh, but no, like, you know, I, I've, I've come very strongly to the conclusion it's, it's my opinion that our fiction needs more heroes these days. Mm-hmm. And um, don't get me wrong. I, I, I like grim dark stuff as much as the next guy. Um, but, but I feel like we need more heroes. And, and I feel like, I feel like Bane in general has a lot of authors that, that write heroes. And, and I feel that, that I'm one of those guys. That, you know, I like writing about do to do the right thing. And, um, even if, even if they're going to fail at it, sometimes they're, they're going to try to do the right thing. And I think that's important. Um, but, uh, but apart from the writing, look, yeah, like, you know, pick up servants of war. It's awesome. If you want to read something more horror centric from me, uh, you can pick up my novel residue, uh, it's kind of a, a young adult horror. It'll scratch your Stranger Things itch, uh, mm-hmm. and I just and I just turned in the sequel to that last week. Um, so if you guys want to check that stuff out, um, that's awesome. Or you can check out uh, my horror or my collection of horror short stories 
which is called what hellhounds dream. Hmm. Yeah, I need that. I need that. So you can, you can pick that one up, uh, print ebook, whatever. Um, that one's not in audio yet. Although, uh, I'm trying to record it myself. We'll see how that goes. It's probably going to be a train wreck, <laughs> but, uh, uh, but other than that, look, you know, if, if people want to be authors out there and they want to hear some, some pretty good, no nonsense advice, then, uh, me and my co-author for servants of war, Larry Korea, we, we co-host a writing advice podcast called the writer dojo. And we've been posting weekly on it for, oh, 15 months. Dang. So we have, so we have a lot of episodes. Dang. So, uh, it, it drops every Wednesday morning like clockwork. And, <laughs> uh, so, you know, we, we do that. It's fun stuff. We love it. Um, we give a lot of great advice and, uh, yeah. So, so that's me in a nutshell. And again, right on. Guys, and, and again, guys, thanks so much for having me on. I really appreciate it. It's awesome. It was all my pleasure to sit and talk with you and pick your brain a little bit about the book. So, Oh dude, dude, anytime, man, anytime. Right on Mr. Korsgaard, final thoughts, final words. Steve, let me thank you both tremendously for once again, having me on the podcast. It's from start to finish, a sincere pleasure to all of our listeners. My first anthology with Bane comes out next month on December 6th, World's Long Lost, which is a collection of alien archaeology stories, which stretch the range from optimistic Larry Niven-esque or Orson Scott Card-style science fiction to Lovecraftian horror. And I'll have another one out next summer, the same month as Lord of a Shattered Land, called They're Here, <laughs> about aliens secretly living on Earth that will have us, along with several famous genre reprints, and my personal favorite being Eight O'Clock in the Morning by Ray Nelson, a.k.a. the story that inspired the movie They Live. Oh, yeah. We'll also have an original story from a few authors, including Mr. Steve Diamond. But Hell Yeah. More importantly, to all the folks who love Sword and Sorcery, please check out Bane Books. Poke around our website, our authors, find a book that looks interesting, give it a try, and especially look around our back catalog, see something you'd like us to revisit or bring back in some form or another, and don't be afraid to tell us what you're looking for. We love our fans, we love our readers, and we love listening to them. So please... Give us a try. I promise you'll love us just as much as we do. (laughs) (laughs) All right, gentlemen, listen. Yeah. My turn to say, uh, yes, it was a, it was a sincere pleasure. Um, I look forward to getting together with some other cats from the Bane roster. Um, usually at the end of this thing, I stumble my way through trying to talk about sharp swords. Uh, and so Dean, I'm going to get there. Um, if you are ever cutting vegetables, may your swords always remain sharp. Vegetables? <laughs> well, you're cutting things with the sharp swords, Dean. Come on. All right. <laughs> That'll work.